Welcome everyone to our talk today with Carrie Bowman. She's Director of Product Management at Seviant and she's responsible for the Application Access Governance products. I'm Martin Kuppinger, I'm the host of today's talk. I'm Principal Analyst at Kuppinger Call Analysts and Carrie and I will talk about streamlining governing access to applications in a complex and hybrid environment. So welcome Carrie. Thank you, Martin. It's good to be here talking with you. Great. So a lot of people surely know about identity access governance. What is application access governance? So when we talk about identity, we're talking about the full suite of applications that you have as a company, the full landscape and the entirety of the environment. When we're talking about application mm -hmm. access governance, we're usually talking about not just managing a particular application, but doing it at a deeper fine grain level. So it's one step for risk and compliance adherence that goes a level deeper. And that's typically our key financial applications or those that are in some way um, regulatory compliance related. So we need to take into account the full identity landscape when we're talking about identity governance, but application access governance is really finding those key applications that we're required to, from a regulatory standpoint, monitor very closely at a fine grain level. And um, it's how we manage that those applications. Okay. So, so, so we are talking about applications like SAP, like Oracle eBusiness applications, probably also Salesforce and a couple exactly. of others. Exactly. And at the end, I think the picture I tend to draw is a bit that, that I say identity and access governance is really more about breadth of systems. Yes. While application access governance is about the depths. That yeah. is a so, fantastic way to describe it. Yeah. And so when you say, so I think the part of complex is relatively easy to describe for application access governance because we're talking about complex applications. We're talking about the SAP world and the, all the other line of business applications that are factually in scope. And um, I, I think everyone who's in the IT for a while knows that these environments tend to be rather complex. There's also this, this hybrid aspect. So, so this hybrid, when you talk about hybrid, are you touching more on hybrid in the sense of that can run on premises or in a public cloud or in a virtual private cloud or touching are you touching more on hybrid in the sense of so in the past a lot of organizations primarily looked at SAP and said okay if you can secure SAP that's the only relevant system but nowadays with all the SaaS services it means you have still frequently a lot of traditional SAP mm -hmm. or maybe a bit of modernized SAP but you you're becoming getting more and more SaaS applications, line of business applications from other vendors. So what is your, the perspective you take? I here? like that you separate it like that because I think both are applicable, right? Even just take the SAP world, for example, we started with on-prem ECC being kind of the key application that most people started to um, wrap their hands around for risk and compliance. But now we see a lot of our customers using Ariba. They're pulling out their invoicing into Ariba and it's in the cloud, right? And then we're seeing them utilize Salesforce and put some of their order to cash pieces in there. So we're seeing them go from, and even SAP itself, now we're seeing the customers make the switch to S4, right? Now, some of them keep it on-prem, but a significant number of them are, you know, moving to Han Enterprise Cloud, they're moving to public or private cloud. So even within their own systems, 
they might still have, you know, a legacy system that's on-prem within SAP, but then one of their SAP systems moves. So I think it's both of the things you're talking about. It is that you've got some are SaaS and some are things on-prem, but then also you've got some of your own specific SAP applications that you've split and have a hybrid environment for. And depending on the interplay of those systems, we need to know what audit is going to consider relevant and in scope for us to be looking at and how we secure those systems collectively, not just mm -hmm. individually as an application, but how they talk to each other as well, right? Yeah, because at the end, there's also a thing like cross-system segregation of duty. Exactly. Where, where, where SOD conflict not necessarily is only within a system. And I think that's that's a reality. We looked at it, oh, it's within the SAP world because supplier mm -hmm. management and invoicing, there are SOD conflicts we all know about. Mm -hmm. uh, but once they are, so to speak, not in, which always were two modules within SAP anyway, but it was still considered to be within the SAP world right now. This could be in one in on-premise and one could be in the cloud and coming mm -hmm. from a totally different vendor or exactly, the same for exactly. Oracle and other large providers. Exactly. And in my experience, you know, at least here in the States, SOX has been around for 20 plus years. That was originally the big driver for us saying, let's really secure our key financial systems, our SAPs or our Oracles. Mm -hmm. And in the last four to five years, not only are we seeing the shift towards hybrid environments with the customers bringing in more SaaS applications, moving things to the cloud, but we're also seeing our auditors come and say, okay, it's been two decades. We're very well aware of how to secure your key system what about everything that feeds into it? Do you know if those users have access to systems on both sides, like your example, where, you know, can we perform one piece of a conflict in one system and one piece in a conflict of another mm -hmm. system? And do we have visibility to that? Are we aware of that risk? Yeah, and I think another point we observe um, in a lot of discussions is that not only the, 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 the sort of the governmental regulations are playing a very important role, but we also see uh, increasing pressure to specifically to suppliers uh, around supply chain risk. And this is not just are you mm -hmm. safe regarding ransomware, but this is also are you, your business systems safe? Do they operate well? Um, can we trust in these? Because if you are affected in the supply chain, then we as the, the customer, we are in trouble because our production mm -hmm. line then may, may be we stop because we don't just get the goods, etc. So we also see, uh, from, from what I observe in the market, we see this increase and expansion of sort of governmental regulations. And we see also uh, additional pressure on just getting better in, in IT. Absolutely. I mean, and if anything, the pandemic brought that more to light, right? That we're impacted not only by what we do internally, but if we have locations that are all around the world, we then have to take that into account. And then we layer on top of it suppliers like you're mentioning. And so now everyone has a stake in everyone else's operations running smoothly and not having those compliance issues. We learned a lot about supply chain risks in the past <laughs> three years. For for, 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 for for a number of reasons, the pandemic, war, uh, ships being blocking the Suez Canal. So uh, there were so many so many things um, and, and IT risks, uh, IT attacks, etc. So we, we really saw le learned a lot about how vulnerable our supply chains are. In. Mm -hmm, but it's exactly. a different topic. Let's let's go back to this application access governance. So what what is different? So we talked about 
the, the types of systems to cover, but what is different in requirements when a customer says, okay, I'm, I'm shifting from my sort of traditional monolithic world to a sort of hybrid and multi-vendor world. So what do you see as the most important um, requirements that change? For me, I coming from a governance background, so I spent 15 years in SAP security, and that spanned things from being the security admin to implementing governance programs and um, having my sister, that's something that's near and dear to my heart is, you know, standard operating procedures and governance processes. And for me, I find that as we're making that transition to that hybrid environment, to those SaaS applications, it's really understanding what our new governance processes and procedures are, not just for the day-to-day operations of our end users to ensure, right, that they are following the proper procedures, but really taking into account all of our governance processes that we have in place today and how they may lift and shift or how they may change um, when we implement those SaaS applications. So with an on-prem SAP system, we know we are looking for risks X, Y, and Z. We've got this type of sensitive access. We have um, specific things that are done in an emergency access or an elevated access ID, things like that. We've got it very well defined, but when we start to move pieces of that into SaaS applications, I think it's taking the time to go through and make sure that we're defining how is it impacted in this particular application? Is it handled differently? Do I still have the same concerns or are there new ones based on the feature functionality that's available and being used in that SaaS application? Yeah. So, so, so what you're saying is um, there, there's lesser experience than, that have been sort of gathered in the SAP environments over decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also means there are not these rule books um, out of the box, yes. which, which have been developed uh, for the SAP world over the years. Um, but on the other hand, what you're saying, and I think this is a very important point, and I like this, um, you can learn a lot for a new environment from the experience you have gathered in your sort of traditional environment. So mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, looking at which are the critical risks um, and, you know, something like sub all exists more or less everywhere. Yeah. So you can learn from that and say, okay, this is something we need to look at, which is, so SAP all is still one of the, the, the things that come up in every conversation. Yes. Um, I, I have around that. Um, and also processes. So what are, and also sort of typical. So what are the common SOD violations? And the point is, when you say, okay, I I have whatever my rulebook for SAP or for whichever other system, and this is an SOD conflict, like well, creating new suppliers, uh, approving invoices. Mm-hmm. Then if you shift that whatever the invoice part to something different, then it means okay, that conflict still exists. You just need to ensure that right now the right transaction in two systems are covered uh, and not just in, in the one environment. And you mentioned at the very beginning when we kicked off, we, talk, we were talking about complexity, right? And um, SAP is known for its complexity because it allows you to do so much, right? That there are so many options, but that does add to the complexity. So to your point, what adds again, two complexities as we move to these SaaS applications, it's understanding that the security design is different for all of these. 
So what the yeah. security design was within what we've become very familiar with our on-prem SAP systems is radically different for a Salesforce or a Workday or, you know, uh, even Ariba, right, is a different yeah. setup, even though it is an SAP product. So we know the yeah. risk is there. We know we can do invoicing. And while we knew in SAP, the T code and the authorization objects for invoicing, now we're going to put it in Ariba and we need someone who understands that security structure so that we're appropriately defining the risk there. And to me, that is the key thing when we talk about application access governance that makes it so critical is it's, we've had decades to define what risks are, but now when we try to stretch them across applications with completely different security structures, it is having a tool that will help us do that effectively and efficiently <laughs> so that we can make sure that we're properly identifying those risks in that complex environment. So, so it also means that with your approach, you're, so to speak, a bit unifying uh, these perspectives. Um, so from so in the SAP world, it's, it's very SAP-centric. And yes, mm -hmm. we're talking about T-codes and all that stuff, um, authorization objects, whatever we have there. Exactly. And it, um, to do it cross-system, it means you, you need to, to have sort of a made-up perspective um, on that. Exactly. It's... I know that I used to compare apples to apples. Now I have an apple and an orange, and I know they're both fruit. <laughs> so yeah. it's needing to be able to have a tool that can talk across both and present that unified view to the end user in a way that's actionable and understandable, right? Because typically our reviewers of risks are not going to be the security people who understand that complex structure. So we need to be able to do that lift for them of the security structure and then present that risk to them in a way that is understandable for them to then go review in action. Yeah. And, and there surely is also a sort of an organizational skills, a change aspect on. So mm -hmm. take SAP or Oracle or whatever from the traditional silo to a more heterogeneous world and frequently, surely it's the same people because they they care for they come from the business they care for certain parts mm -hmm. of the business and their IT systems, but right now having different technologies. So uh, when, when you have whatever 10, 10 years or fifteen years experience in SAP and then going to an whatever Ariba or SuccessFactors or Salesforce or whatever um, security model means there's a, a huge change and. Uh, that is surely one of the other challenges we are facing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the business process owners and the business users, they used to have the monolithic, you know, singular application to deal with for the most part. And you're absolutely right. Now they are, when I'm doing this piece of my job, I'm in this application, then I'm moving over here to do a separate piece. So just from the, the training aspect of it, making sure that they're aware of what what responsibilities lie within each application and making sure that their users are you know, trained, aware of that and, and feel comfortable moving between those. That in and of itself is a significant uplift for, for the yeah. business owners. Okay, well, one final point. Um, we have application access governance, we have identity access governance. Mm -hmm. um, should they become integrated and why? So I would say the answer to that is if at all possible, we know every business is different. 
right? Some are much smaller than others. But when you think about it, what drives application access governance? It's the access that users are provisioned within a system. Why are they provisioned that access? It's because of their identity, who they are within the company and their responsibilities. So I can be siloed and use application access governance just to monitor what someone has put in an application. But if I can increase where I'm at, when we think about that capability maturity model, if I can get to where things are expected and repeatable, I'm going to improve my governance. I'm going to improve my efficiency. I'm going to simplify it. So if we just think of the most basic example, I have an HR system to onboard users, and then I have a major application that they use. By linking the identity between the two of those, I can drive the access that's provisioned into my key application because I know this user is in this department with this title. They need this XYZ standard access in my main application. So even with that simple example, we can see the value of linking identity and application access governance. And when we think broad scope, right, it just expands the more applications. I couldn't agree more with that. And maybe just as the final note, uh, or comment from my side, auditors are looking at both ends, identity and at application access governance. So integration makes sense. Carrie, that was a very interesting talk with you. A lot of insights also to me. Thank you very much for taking the time. And thank you for everyone listening to this yeah. podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>